Welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, the place to be to discover a deeper connection to your whole self. I offer holistic, out-of-the-box ideas to practice to empower women and their families. My name is Julie Hughes, and I'm your host. I draw on my experience as a midwife, a mom of four, and a holistic hormonal health coach to offer wisdom, knowledge, and guidance on your path to whole mind, body, spirit, health. Hi, everyone. Welcome back, or welcome if you're new here. So this week, I have a special guest. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Marin Green. Marin is a midwife, a mama of nine, and the podcast host of one of the top followed and popular podcasts on birth called Taking Back Birth. She's also the co-founder of Indie Birth, a global movement to provide innovative options for pregnant and birthing women who want to expand what they know and believe as well as offering sacred and scientific education for the modern birthing professional. So I've known Marin for several years and I'm so grateful and excited to just have a chat with her today on this podcast. So today we're actually gonna be talking about women's natural transition times of life, puberty, pregnancy, perimenopause, and how we can really tap into the power of these times as individuals and really how we can or how we feel, or why we wonder, talking about how these natural stages have become so medicalized. So before I get into the podcast and start my chat with Marin, I wanted to let you all know that the online Powerful Puberty class is now open. This class provides you with empowering whole body information for you and your daughter. It provides you with a community of moms and a foundation to create solid ground in shaky times and small, simple tools that help your daughter stay connected and feel more actual powerful in her transition. You can find it by heading to the link below or heading over to the Life Cycle Lady website. So let's get Marin on and have our chat. Great. So this podcast today it's been on my mind actually for a while. I've, I've wanted to reach out to Marin for quite a while, but it's just not been the right time. It's something that as a midwife, obviously I think about all the time, the medicalization of just our natural cycles of life. Um, because I don't work so much in the birth realm as a midwife anymore, and I'm working more with people that are either in the puberty and perimenopause, I think I never realized how medicalized our whole life cycles have really become. And the more and more I work with and talk to women who are experiencing normal and yet go places and are told that they're abnormal or we can take care of that for you rather than just connecting in with their own bodies, I... I just like this sits heavy on my mind all of the time. Like, how can we, how did we get here and how can we um, get out of here? And Marin is a midwife and has a huge, huge following with an organization called Indie Birth. Um, And that's exactly what she does in the birth transitional phase of life is help women really get connected. So I'm, first of all, I just want to talk to you about maybe how you see this playing out in the birth realm and in the work that you do with women. Like, how do we get people from A to B? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question and something I'm always thinking about too. So we're totally on the same wavelength today, of course, not coincidentally. 
Um, I had just posted on our social network last night about the medicalization of birth and how it's still relevant. And that was an interesting discussion over there. And it maybe isn't what you think. I mean, it's a little bit about what you're saying, which is in part, how do we connect women with their deeper wisdom? Because that's really the answer to the routine medicalization of any of the life processes, I think. However, because that's happening at, I don't know if you want to say a slower rate, or it seems like it's something we're having to work on heavily, the medicalization of birth is still relevant. It's still a thing. It's not something we can pretend doesn't exist. It's not something I think we should try and change. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like there's a bunch of stuff going on. We, we're doing our work to reconnect women. And then part of that work is recognizing that what exists is there for a reason, if that makes sense. Um, and not to put a lot of energy into fighting it or trying to change it or calling it bad or, you know, in, in, in this example, um, hating doctors and hating hospitals. No, it's all relevant because most women are still choosing that model. And so they're representing that consciousness. So it's like, how do we change the consciousness? Because if that changed, then maybe these medicalized models would become obsolete just by default. You know, it wouldn't be a forceful matter. It would just be they're not needed anymore. I mean, other than the rare emergency, of course. Yeah. I think that for me, that was part of my shift, right? There was many reasons for my shift out of midwifery, but one of the biggest reasons was like, how do we get so disconnected? Like, how do we get to this place where we don't know our bodies, where we don't trust our bodies, where we want some, someone else? And so there's lots of reasons, but one of the first things that I really came back to was that idea of puberty, right? That idea of like, when you're having this time period of shifting, when you're starting menstruation, nobody even knows about it. Like when I teach my puberty classes, the moms are like, I've learned so much about menstruation today. And I'm just like, yeah, because no one told us anything. So part yeah. of my work shifting to that realm was what if we never got disconnected? Is that, is that possible? And how can we do that with moms who we were never educated in that, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's a thing. This is my theory and this is what I'm trying out with the work that I do. But yeah. I know that, I know that there's a place for medicalization, right? I know that that is a thing. It's, it, there's C-sections are necessary sometimes and hormones are necessary. Like all these things are there for a reason. And how can we let them just be in their place? Like how do we get right. to that place where they, they are not the go-to, but they are the, oh, thank goodness for. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're doing amazing work. I mean, I know you're doing amazing work. And it's something, something I think about often, too, if I had more time in the day. But I think we're all focusing, you know, in the ways we need to focus. But certainly just kind of in the linear timeline of life, you know, what you're speaking of happens first. And so that's such a great question. And it's a huge topic to ponder the what ifs and the how to's. And I think one thing that comes to mind is, and I know you resonate with this, um, those changes, that phase of life, those initiations into womanhood are not just physical. And I think that's a huge element that's missing 
in, you know, in the entire life path, you know, perhaps even through death for most people is that there isn't an understanding or a, a desire maybe or an awareness of connecting to that consciousness um, because, you know, the physical information of birth is not all that hard. I mean, birth is mysterious, but yet there is a certain way it happens, just like menstruation. There is a way it happens. But those are pivotal times in life where people, I think, you know, can be um, shown the amount of, like, growth and self-awareness that they're capable of, right? Like, pregnancy is such a great time for that. So I guess where's that piece, even with the girls and even as we're bringing these things up, like how can we, how can we start even earlier with those kind of concepts and this idea that we're so deeply powerful, not just in the physical, but, you know, emotionally. Women should run the world, you know. We're emotionally and spiritually the most powerful creatures on earth, and that doesn't just begin with bleeding. Um, so that's my blab on that. Yeah. There's a, it's an old proverb. I don't know if it's from Buddhist teaching or Christianity, but it, women are the oars, right? We're supposed to be directing the boats. And obviously yeah. we are not in, in those positions. Whether you not want to call those positions power or not, I don't even want to speak in that language, but just like women are the oars. And, you know, that works really well in my own family. And it's very recognized in like the, where our family lies. Um, and I feel like, I don't know. I don't know how we got here. I really don't know how we got here, that it, that such natural life transitions that are revered. And if you look culturally, like amongst other cultures that revere these transition times, that celebrate them, that don't just see the body changes, but the mind changes and the spirit changes and that really honor them and give them a reverence, they don't experience the symptoms. They don't experience the perimenopause symptoms. Like that's not even a word in mm, culture. Right. They don't, mm. they would never call puberty as awkward or embarrassing. It is this like amazing time of life, right? And so how do we get a culture that, you know, the biggest question that I get as a midwife or as somebody teaching puberty is like, it is this kind of idea of like awkward, uncomfortable, right? Well, isn't it painful, puberty or birth? Like, isn't it kind of painful, this push against? Right. What's really natural, right? Right. How right. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. And yeah, so applicable to birth where maybe we're teaching false expectations or, you know, we're teaching this model that we've made up, whether it's like the westernization of, you know, cultures or just the fact that our cultures really aren't based on the woman, you know, they're not like based on the maternal line as maybe they were before. And I think women, you know, I mean, it's like a blessing and a curse, I think, some of the greatest qualities of being a woman you know, all of that power comes with sensitivity. And I think in a really general way, that's where it's been easy, perhaps, I don't know, for women to feel, um, you know, guilt or shame around some of these processes. And, you know, miscarriage comes to mind. It's like, where did that ever get started? But we have a whole cultural, 
you know, insanity around the lack of acceptance of death. So it's like layer upon layer upon layer where everything natural that our bodies are physiologically made to do has been suppressed. And my guess is it's because it's so powerful. You know, it really is. Like the bleeding every month that we get to experience is life. What is more powerful than that? Yeah, it is. It is so fascinating to me um, in a way because it's so foreign, but it's something I, I literally am immersed in every day. But for me, you know, as a young girl who had horrible periods, actually, like two weeks mm-hmm. long, but I, I was excited one day to get old and get gray hair. And I loved my periods, even when they were like torturous to me, because I knew that that was and I went to the doctor and they wanted, right. They put me on the pill, but I knew that there was another way. I just, Mm. I knew there was something in me that knew that. And I don't know if that's just like what I was born here to do. And so that's why I was given that gift or if that's in all of us and it's like unconscious messaging all around us. Right. Um, just shifts in how we are able to be with these time periods. Yeah. And to me, the answering of that question kind of needs to happen to get somewhere. I don't know. I'd like to hear your experience because you have a large number of people that are, that are on your movement. Right. And so to me, I like have to answer the question of how we get here in order to, to like bring us to a new way, but maybe that's not true. So I'd love to hear how you are doing it because you're doing it one day at a time. Sure. And so are you. So I think, obviously, the work with younger women is imperative. And often, I do feel completely that way. Like, I'll look out on a room of people that I'm teaching. And that comes up so strong for me, like, (laughs) oh, man, um, it might be too late, you know, for this particular group, like you get that feeling where it's, it's really hopeless. And so, you know, we want to focus on the girls. And then just as surprisingly, I think women appear in front of me all of the time that have no experience with anything we're talking about. They're seemingly pretty disconnected, but yet something gets struck in them, as you say, the way you feel. Um, I do think on one hand, you know, you were born to do this. And I also agree that there is this deep knowing inside of us. And so I think people like you and I who are really strong in that knowing, we have the ability to either attract or bring that out in people more readily. And so I really have changed my mind on it a bit in that way, meaning that I think you can meet someone in pregnancy and they can totally engage in all of this. And they did it yesterday but suddenly they are and they get it and they want to talk about their own birth as a baby, you know, and they want to talk to their grandma about her birth and they find these ways to just connect with their lineage, to connect with their ancestry. And, you know, that doesn't fix the fact that as you're saying, maybe they were on the pill for 10 years and maybe now they have stuff because of that, but just in a more conscious way, they recognize that being a woman is a powerful vehicle in this life 
and suddenly their decisions change and what they want for this birth changes. And if I didn't see it a whole lot, I'd think that person was an exception, but I really do think it's happening more than ever now. Yeah, I think um, one thing I've seen in, in the birth community here is things have gotten, just in the world in general, there's a massive shift happening right yeah there's just we're going at a more rapid pace of i don't know of being uncomfortable and moving through it so i've seen a massive shift in women here seeking out other birth options right just kind of out of necessity really um but yet an awakening happening in them of their power through the birth and so so I wonder if, yeah, it's, it's that individual work and that cultural work all at the same time. It is both and. And not saying for those people that might be listening who are like, well, I am on the pill or I do this or I this. Like, we're all in our different places, right? There's, there's no judgment here of, I don't know, where you're at in your process. There's just a... Uh, kind of like uh we've been robbed in a way and so let's take back our power right yeah and i always say it's it's sometimes less about the choice than it is about the reason and the intention behind why we make the choices we do so that's what i see women coming into is an awareness that they are powerful and they do have choices. So that really changes the discussion, you know, from there being right and wrong, which is a fairly male way of seeing the world. Um, you know, and women have done it too in birth and in other ways that there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it and the natural way is better. And yeah, there's some truth to some of those things for some people, but it's more what is your truth? You know, what is your soul calling you to do? And if you can connect with that in whatever area of life, then really you're making the right choice for you. So it's definitely a more complex discussion, I think, on the inside than it, it looks like sometimes from the outside. I like that. I like thinking about it that way because for me it brings more opportunity for, well, for great in the conversation, right? there it isn't just medicalized or not medicalized it is what is right for you in this and are do you have the ability to ask yourself what if what if this was power what if this could look a different way what would i need to step into to actually follow that niggle that i have what could i do for my own daughter to help create something different for her how could I educate myself or how could I just be and feel different in my body? What results would that give me for perimenopause, right? All of these things. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the secret is to inspiring that in women and people in general. And it's been so long that in women have been so long that I don't know, the connection got weird there for a minute. I was hearing myself. Um, yeah, I think I was going to launch into 
um, yeah, all that really like, comes back to self responsibility. All right, so here's one other thought that I was having recently Is there a place for that personal responsibility, that power combined with the medical space? I'm sure there is because I really don't think there are any absolutes in life about much of anything. I think we've lost some of the conversation, which I think is important, which is less about like the model or even the type of birth someone has, but their desire to be autonomous in their choices as much as possible. So I guess the tricky part is often the medicalized model doesn't make autonomy very possible. But I think that's an internal process, you know, and so you really could be someone that's super powerful in your pregnancy, you totally know what you want, and maybe something comes up health-wise, right, that you wind up in that system. Um, I think you totally can still own your experience, even though it's probably not one that you planned on or was desired. So, I mean, maybe that's idealistic, but I think there's also this trend to kind of like label birth from, you know, where you're having them to who's there as some reflection of your consciousness when really it has nothing to do with that. It's simply a label. It's simply a place or a person. Like what was going on for that woman inside of herself, inside her body? Because there are people that, you know, experience birth trauma, for example, um, in their own free birth for whatever reason. So I think it's just changing the conversation to be less about the external and more about what people are working on inside and how they feel about it. Ooh, I love I love that. Somebody recently talked was talking to me about a childbirth educator who they came across who's really not so much focusing who's offering a bit of the education piece, but offering more of the piece of like, what does it feel like to be in your body to move your body? How do you move your body? Do you even move your body? Okay. Doing like being more like in your body, which is where the baby is gesting <laughs> with you, right? And where the birth will be happening with you. And so it, it was, a, I was like, oh, of course, duh. Like, why doesn't childbirth education have that component in it, right? And so it's, it's changing because culturally, what I think of is I'm sick of being on the quote unquote fringe. Like, I think that what I'm speaking is just like human nature and how can that be odd and weird and like, I, I don't even get that. So I'm trying, I keep trying to think about, okay, we could call it medicalization, but how do we just shift the conversation? And I like what you just said, because that is exactly how you, you shift the conversation. Maybe it isn't about where, how, and who, but what's going on inside of you and what power can you, because I have been part of home births or hospital births that were home, home births in a hospital, right? That were totally hands-off, totally the woman was in her power, she there was a transport i can think of two 
that there was no like even one was a a preterm labor and she birthed on the floor in the hospital put the baby on her and it was just like the baby was breathing and crying and it was just like hands off of the NICU and it was just beautiful because she right. made that happen she was like this fierce mom and they're like I'm not getting up there this is where I'm having my baby right she was just in her power and so to me I often think of this one place that I if I were to transport it's where I go to how how yeah just that whole conversation of what goes on inside how do you make those choices and does it really matter who where why and how yeah yeah I mean that's a great example and I have similar stories where you'd never expect that situation to have produced a woman that felt so powerful because on the outside the story seems upsetting or traumatic to you right and then vice versa beautiful home birth and someone's traumatized. So I think that proves that it's not about what it looks like. It's not about what's happening on the outside. It's her process and what she works through to get where she is. Um, you know, I think fear in birth or fear in life, like issues come up like that, that we have the choice to work through in the ways that we know how. And how we do that ends up guiding a lot of our decisions. So there isn't a wrong or a right. It's like we're going to manifest the path that we're on because we're on it for a reason. So I think there's also that, you know, like bird's eye view to take. And it's hard when you're the, the person in it, the birthing woman. But as a midwife or, you know, as someone that works in these areas to look at, to look at it, a path with no judgment and just see that it's all perfect. Like this is all a continuation of her life story and her mother's life story and her grandmother's life story and this baby's life story and supporting that as compassionately as we can and inviting, you know, her to do work in the way that she wants to, to maybe make sense of it more. But I mean, it does all make sense. And I think that's something that's left out of all these conversations all of the life cycles, you know, even death, which is something people don't want to talk about, but like that makes sense too. Um, and it's uncomfortable and it's painful, but those are my beliefs, I guess, anyway, that there's, you know, there's a plan and there's a timing to all these things and people aren't going to do things when it's not time and they're not going to do things before they're ready or after they're ready. It's, it's the path. Yeah. So it's really for you. It's not, is it really then shifting the cultural conversation? Is that a thing? I mean, I have this conversation a lot, like particularly with a doctor friend, actually we go back and forth between like how much is individual responsibility and consciousness and how much is this collective consciousness? And it's like, they work hand in hand. We can't just shift the collective consciousness. I mean, right now in the world, it's fear, right? So what do we do about that except go back to ourselves, deal with our own fears, and believe that it's reflected in the world around us? Um, and I think that's kind of like, you know, it's sort of a rabbit hole in a, a continuing conversation. And it's like you don't know quite where you began or, or wound up in some ways. Um, but I think it is different than being someone that's like, I'm going to change the world. It's like, no, change yourself. And then the world will reflect that. And I think that's what we're dealing with in birth. Um, and I see that in a whole different way than I used to, you know, I feel like I totally used to get the like, you know, let's change the system or 
watching people protest in front of a hospital to have the right to be back. Like, these are all ways that people try to gain external power when they have it inside. And, you know, it's like if they would just turn around and sit with that and figure it out, I mean, our world would be so different. And we wouldn't really care what other people did either, you know? Uh Yep. I was just sitting with that last night. I was thinking about my idealistic, like, 20-year-old protester self. And I was thinking about, is that just, is that a life phase that we all have to just go through? Or (laughs) is it because at some point I felt the power was taken away from me in, in puberty, yeah. Did it then create that was my natural, I have to externally find that power somehow? Or is that just like a, that naive but powerful thing? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. It's something I was sitting with last night, actually. Like, yeah. I don't know. What would I tell that 20-year-old self? I don't know. Right. That's a great question. I don't know either. I think it's all of those things and just life and experiencing and trying things out and, you know, seeing the way it feels because everybody's different, I suppose, but it's like, if you were to keep doing that, right, it's like, how fulfilling is it that the world's really changing? I mean, I don't know. My guess is it's pretty frustrating to be doing that years on end. Um, Whereas, you know, the internal work, I think can be so satisfying because you just approach the world differently and the world feels different to you. And in that way, I mean, not to get totally crazy, but it's like we're all creating, you know, a little piece of our own reality rather than just buying into, again, like a collective consciousness, which, yeah, at the moment, it's really scary to want to buy into that. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. So Marion is a mama of nine babies. And it's for me, the other thing I was reflecting on last night was, right, I have four kids and they're all at different ages and stages. And just reflecting on me as an individual and my growth with my kids, right? How I would parent based on my own power or my own like fears that had come up at different ages or what I thought a mom would be rather than just being a mom, right? Because I was very into like, what is a mom? And I'm going to be the best damn mom (laughs) with the first one. (laughs) And now I'm just like, I'm just Julie, who is a mom to (laughs) people and share in the creation of our lives together, right? Rather than micromanage everything. And it's so interesting to see the personalities, right? Of of the different kiddos. and, and I was thinking about that as like a microcosm, like in terms of even medicalization of like when we try to control and just make everything bend to this perfect idea of like labor at so many hours and this dilation, um, just the rebellion even <laughs> can get created in that. I don't know. Just things yeah. I think about when I'm up from one o'clock in the morning till four o'clock oh. in the morning. This is what my mind does. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's so many similarities, I feel like, between all these topics, which is why it's fun to layer them. And yeah, yeah, I think parenting, yeah, parenting nine kids certainly is similar in a lot of ways to many of these conversations and not controlling, like you say, and allowing each of them to kind of like grow and do as they were here to do. 
but even that feels like a different approach than mm. well a I maybe thought I'd have way back when like you were saying I mean my oldest is almost 18 and different than I feel like I was parented you know like very much this is the way the culture is this is what we do this is what you do and so I'm grateful to have that perspective and not put that on them. I mean, there might be other weird things I don't even know are being put on them, but those things are not. <laughs> so then how do you navigate an organization that teaches midwives and helps women find their power? Like, how do you navigate where do you just where you're going to focus, right? Where your focused attention is? With the actual students, you mean, or? Yeah, the student, what? yeah. You could, you could mm -hmm. choose any aspect or arm of your, what you're doing in the world, <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a similar kind of like microcosm, macrocosm thing, you know, like everything. I think for, you know, Margo and I in particular, um, Margo runs Indie Birth with me, for us to continue to, you know, engage in our own work and confront our own stuff is super important, you know, both for the women we serve locally and then as we're working with people. Um, so to constantly, like, be on that path to stay as clear as we can, I feel like is kind of the root of it all because that's what gives us direction and that's what gives us clarity. Um, and we learn a lot, of course, from working with students. I mean, they don't know less necessarily. And sometimes it's just really inspiring and enlightening to watch them on a similar path. But that's the next step. I feel like doulas, midwives, there's so much information out there about birth, about education. And we offer a lot of that as concrete knowledge. But I think to start those processes, like with the doulas and the midwives, um, it's like this self-development piece and just asking yourself the questions, you know, asking yourself why you're in this work and working through whatever experiences you have. Um, I think not doing that piece means that more people than not will actually not complete it, not want to do it, or they'll get burnt out or, you know, just like emotionally drained, which some of that is normal as we both know, but, you know, kind of like hung up in a way where they're stuck. Um, so I don't know, that feels like a really cool piece and a unique piece that we have at the moment to offer the birth world. We're truly interested in that and interested in these women as individuals and, you know, work with as many of them one-on-one -on -one as kind of like feels natural and as they desire um, and supporting them in that way. Because again, it's like the, the intellectual piece and the skills of a midwife really aren't the hardest <laughs> pieces to put together. They're the easiest pieces to see laid out and they're the ones people tend to want to gravitate towards and talk about, especially in more mainstream midwifery education. Um, I just talked to a midwife yesterday in Australia who did the schooling there, right, which is highly medicalized, but not all that different than a lot of the midwifery education here in the U.S. And she was reflecting that even after many years of practice and this you know, expensive education as a midwife, that she was seriously missing pieces, um, you know, and whatever that means, I guess, to her or to you or to me. Yeah, but what are those pieces? Those are the pieces I'm interested in because the rest is just 
not as interesting and doesn't take that long to talk about. Um, yeah, I don't know if you know, but I actually went to school for midwifery in New Zealand as well. And that was kind of part of it was, what am I missing out? What all of the mm. intuitive pieces felt like they yeah, were right. in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So I have yeah. one more question for you because podcasters, I'm recording this podcast outdoors <laughs> instead of in my car <laughs> and I'm hearing people starting to mow lawn so I have one yeah. last question to wrap up before it gets really close and no one can never hear us um my question is I'm wondering what do you do with your kiddos with your girls in that transition of puberty like how do you honor that what does that look like because I think for everyone it looks different and for most people, they're like, what, honor puberty? What are you talking about? That time period sucks. Let's just breeze through it. But what have you done with your kids? So I have six girls. And of course, a bunch of them are super young still. So I really only have the oldest two that are um, cycling every month. And the, the younger one is fairly new to the whole thing. So I don't have tons of experience either. But I think the overriding concept in our house is just, it's really normal. So yes, we did celebrate it in the ways that they wanted to. I think if I remember correctly, you know, we went out to breakfast or did something fun, just my daughter and I. Um, but you know, yeah, nothing, nothing major, just kind of like, that's really cool. Like you're in this phase of life and we had always talked about it previously and we still talk about it and it's not a hush hush kind of topic. And um, one thing I'm, I mean, I guess I'm always sort of pushing them in a way is to learn more about their cycles. It's so natural for them, I think, in feeling, but they're definitely like lacking some of the, of the structural knowledge around, but I'm kind of waiting for them to be more interested. And, you know, my older daughter has already expressed that because, you know, she's going to be 18 and she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be pregnant before I want to, like she gets all of it. So I think the motivation will come to like get some more solid info and certainly they know where to get it and they have the book, but the other elements of it have just been really easy for the most part. Yeah. I always wondered if that was like the, the, the midwife's daughter. Cause you know, my kids were playing birth pool at like age two, right? <laughs> they were in the middle and they were like pushing out into the birth pool. Like, so is this really normal? Is this, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, yeah. it was talking to you today. I hear <laughs> louder and louder. Um, thank you yeah. for saying, sharing your words and your time with us. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me.